Hey, are you or someone you care about considering, dealing with, or being through a divorce or separation? Well, you're in the right place. You don't have to do this alone. There are people who care and want to help. Hi, I'm Dina Court, an author, blogger, publisher, and empowerment coach. Thanks for joining me on the Divorce Magazine Canada podcast. You are going to hear from our team of experts and professionals how to navigate this difficult transition in your life easier, more efficiently, and with better outcomes. Did you know we host online divorce resource groups that are free to attend and everyone is welcome? Check out the links in our show notes and be sure and join us. We love bringing experts to you. Please refer to our terms of service available on our website, divorcemagazinecanada.com and stay tuned at the end for the legal language. Ready? Here we go. Will we ever agree? That was the topic at one of our online divorce resource groups. Andrea Richards was our keynote speaker who addressed that question. She is a member of the Fresh Start Mediation Team, and she is a mediator who shared on this episode some incredible tips and information, some communication skills. She even had us do a little practicing, and you will be so empowered to learn how to resolve conflicts with what she shares And this can apply to your parenting, to your work relations, your friendships, as well as, of course, in a marriage or through a separation or divorce, just to help manage that conflict. So let's jump in and meet Andrea, hear what she has to tell us, and you're just going to be super impressed. All right. Welcome, Andrea to the Divorce Magazine Canada Resource Group Learn. We're really excited to get to know you better and hear what you have to say about the topic of will we ever agree? Thank you, thank you, Dina. Um, I am excited to be here. Um, Some people think that because I'm a mediator, I must love conflict. Um, I don't, (laughs) well, I guess I do. I love conflict in the things that it can do for us. I hate contention. I don't like fighting. I'm much like all of you. Nobody really likes it. So I'm hoping to answer some questions, give you guys some great tips just for helping you manage conflict better in your lives, in all of your relationships, not just divorce, because a lot of the things we're going to talk about can work both ways. Um, and and also just give you a bit of an understanding of mediation and, and what kind of a tool it can be if it's a tool you would like to use. So if Dina will let me share... I do like to use PowerPoint just because it gives me a way to have my notes without me staring at a piece of paper and not being able to watch you guys. So, all right. So will we ever agree? Um, I'm sure a lot of you would say probably not. (laughs) You know, I mean, conflict is hard. Conflict is hard. So what we're going to do, if I can get this to work here. There we go. Um, I wanted to just... First, identify, uh, you know, where does conflict come from? What is conflict? Uh, I think how we think about it as mediators, we like to define words because how I define a word can be very different than how you define a word. And because of that, our understanding is different and it can be harder for us to find mutual ground. 
So I want to define that so that we can know we're all talking on the same ground here and uh, talking about the same thing. And then I want to talk about how mediation can help, what kind of a tool that is for you. And then also give you guys some tips that you can start practicing and applying today and can help things um, just be a little easier for you when you're trying to deal with that conflict. So first thing I want to talk about is where does conflict come from? So defining that word. So there's two ways you can use conflict. There's the noun where we talk about the conflict in Israel, the conflict in the Ukraine. Uh, we talk about it as a thing. And when we talk about it as a thing, it is a fight, an argument, um, a battle, those sorts of things. But the way we want to talk about it today is as a verb. So conflict is really when two things are incompatible. They're opposing forces that are up against each other, right? So they're at variance with each other. They clash. Just like we can talk about two colors that clash so you don't wear them together. Um, there can be, you know, views, needs, etc. that clash. So where does conflict come from? And I'm all about participation because I think we all learn from each other better that way. So can you guys give me some ideas of where conflict comes from in your lives? If you feel comfortable. Well, I'll jump in first. So Thanks, uh, break the ice here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think conflict is in, in many areas and a lot of times we, I personally struggle with an inner conflict and Absolutely. I, I feel a pull one way, but I worry about what others might think of that or that it might be too scary. And it's a, it's a real push pull. And then externally, of course, uh, there's conflict with our environment and, mm -hmm. you know, whether we set boundaries around the use of our time or trying to please others and, and there's a conflict which is partially internal but partially you know is there a yes or a no to an invitation or an expectation absolutely it can be as simple as i want to move into the right lane and there's a car there we are now in conflict right that that's a conflict they're there i want to move they're not moving even though my turn signal's on that's a conflict Right. That's right. that simple. And I don't have to get angry about it, but we're in conflict. Sure. Any other examples? Well, I would, <clears throat> excuse me. I would say differences in personalities. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That can create a lot of conflict for sure. Assumption. Sorry. What was that, Lindsay? Assumptions. Assumptions, um, expectations, assumptions can create a lot of conflict. Absolutely. Uh, different needs can create conflict. My need to feel validated versus someone else's need to express their opinion can create conflict. I, I would say past experiences we've had too. Um, yes. You know, that, that's, a, that's a need too, but um, there's a belief systems that developed or habits and that sort of thing from past experiences, even with, in connection with conflict. Most definitely. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, because needs covers a whole plethora of things, right? I mean, it's, it's such a varied thing. Um, generally, conflict comes in our personal relationships because a need need isn't being met. So it could be um, the expectations we have 
for certain needs, how we feel loved, how somebody who loves us treats us, uh, how we feel validated at work, how work shows how, that they appreciate us or they value our contribution, how your children show they love you, you know, the expectations we have around that, our fears, you know, we, we really look for solutions to these needs because we've got fears that need to be, um, you know, calmed and, and ideally, you know, soothed away. We have hopes. We have hopes of things we want to achieve, values in our lives, things that are important to us, goals, um, beliefs, our belief system, the way we grow up, a huge thing that contributes to the needs we have to make sure that those things are met. And so we look for solutions to help meet those, meet those needs. And sometimes the solution is not what we get. And so it creates conflict, right? So our relationship with those needs is really complicated because there's a lot of different factors that are going to contribute to that and are going to really play into it. Um, if we apply Maslow's hierarchy of needs, uh, that's that lovely pyramid where at the bottom it's food and shelter and, you know, that's and then it goes up, right? Once those base needs are met, once you're not worried about, you know, if you're going to eat, you can care about if somebody hurt your feelings. Because if you don't have food, you could care less. <laughs> I'm not worried about that. But if I'm freezing and need shelter, that's my my first need. So as some needs are met, other needs then become more important. So they're, they're highlighted more. Um, so this theory also points to the fact, you know, that that new needs appear and, and that they really play into each other. So I want to know what needs do you guys maybe have in your lives that sometimes aren't met? I have a need, for example, um, where I'm a, if, if you've ever read the book, The Five Love Languages, I'm in words of affirmation is one of my love language. It's not my husband's love language. <laughs> and so I have a need for him to express uh, that he loves me or what he appreciates me or the, about me, those sorts of things. Um, so if he doesn't do that and he only expresses it the way he expresses love, quality time and physical affection is how he feels it, then that can mean my needs not necessarily being met because he's not fulfilling it how I feel it. That would be a need that I face or that I have. Does anybody else have a need they'd be willing to share? It can be anything. It doesn't have to be personal. No? All right. That's okay. That's all right. That is, can be a very... Yeah, go ahead. Yes. I, I really struggle if I feel like I'm not heard. So if I express something about how I'm feeling or something that hurt me or even made me happy, um, if the other person doesn't validate that I've expressed that to them, I don't feel heard. And actually, that is a huge need that when not met, Nikki causes conflict. <laughs> big one. Very, very big one for sure. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can relate. Anybody else have one they want to share? No? That's okay. That's fine. All right. Well, then let's go on. How, what? Why mediation? Um, most of my slides are actually about tips. So mediation, this is my only one, which is funny because I'm a family mediator. But uh, I'm going to go through a few frequently asked questions after. But kind of what is mediation and why does it help? Mediation is unbiased. As a mediator, I do not represent 
wife. I do not represent husband. I represent their agreement. All I represent is the integrity of that agreement and its longevity. If there are children, I represent their best interests. So my goal is not to be on one person's side or the other. It's just how do I help you guys come to agreement in a way that is actually going to work for you and meet those needs that you have? Because I don't have a dog in the fight, so to speak. Um, we do communication coaching as I go through. it. Part of what I do um, is I help my clients learn to express things in a way that's maybe a little less inflammatory or escalatory. Think, okay, well, how can we say this um, without blame or without anger or maybe trying to show you're working together? Lots of different ways we can help around coaching with communication. Um, one of the things that mediation is really about, because we cannot force anyone to do anything. We have no power. I'm not a judge. I'm not an arbitrator. So I cannot lay down the law. Um, I really dig to find out what the underlying needs and interests are of my clients. Because if those needs aren't met, then they're never going to come to agreement. And there's a, a great way that we often, at least at Fresh Start, we use to talk about it, as we call it the orange story. So there's two children and they both want the orange, right? There's one orange left and they both want it. So they're fighting over it. And mom comes in and says, hold on now, hold on. We're going to have to, I mean, you both have a right to the orange. So how are we going to deal with this? What would you guys say is the way to, to deal with that orange? What should we do? They both want the orange. I think the typical response is be to cut it in half. Let's cut it in half. Absolutely. Well, if I ask the first child as mom, why do you want the orange? They say, well, I want to eat it. I love oranges. They're my favorite fruit. And I ask child number two, why do you want the orange? And that child says, well, I want to use the peel so I can make a cake. That takes, that really shows that both people could be 100% satisfied instead of them only being half satisfied because they got, they just got half of what they wanted. Right. So we try to take that extra step to find out what's the need so we can come up with creative solutions. Um, that's a big one we do. We really like exploring options. Someone may say, well, I want 50-50 parenting time. Going directly to divorce. I want 50-50 parenting time. Well, then the question I ask them is, why do you want 50-50 parenting time? What What is it that that does for you? Well, I'm worried about damaging the relationship with my kids because I'm not going to get to see them. Well, now I know what that underlying need is, to spend time with their children, to build that relationship. It's not actually the 50-50 parenting time. So then I might go, okay, so if we did it a little differently than week on, week off, because maybe the other parent says, no way, Jose, I'm not doing week on, week off. We could say, well, what about a four-three-three-four? So one parent has them for four days, the next parent has them for three, then the other parent, first parent has them for three, and the second parent has them for four. Maybe that works better. But we can start to explore those different options and get creative with what it looks like instead of just sticking to kind of the typical, this is how it has to go. Um, because as long as you guys agree, and it's not illegal, you can do it. 
That's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of using a mediator is as long as you guys agree, it's up to you. You pretty much do it as long as the law says it's allowed. So that's what we love to do. Um, we also use the change curve. So typically when people are getting divorced, you'll actually find, um, you see this little graph here. Those are what we call the, the change curve. So people will start out in that deny stage. Then they move to the resist. I don't want this. And it could even be a move. You see it a lot with children in moves. No, we're not going to move. I don't believe it. Please, mom, don't make it happen. And then it's fighting it. Oh, I hate this. I don't want to do it. Forget it. And then it's like, well, what's going to maybe be in the new place we're moving to? Maybe I want to have a look at this new house and see if I like it. And then they commit. You'll usually get people in different stages when they separate. One of them will be in that deny resist stage because they aren't the ones who've been thinking about it. So they're like, whoa, what just happened? And the other one will be in the commit stage because they've thought about it for a while, a really long time. So they've already worked through everything. And so when we work with people to the person in the commit stage, we don't say put on the brakes. You're moving too fast. We just say ease off the gas, just ease off a little to try to bring them back to the explore stage. And for the person who's on deny or resist, we do not say, Put your foot on the gas. You just say, take your foot off the brake so that they can start to slide as well into that explore stage. That's kind of our sweet spot where we can really help you come up with those solutions. And then we do what we call reality testing because that's really important. We need to make sure that this is actually going to work. And so some people might be like, are you nitpicking my solution? Or sometimes they get a bit like, what are you doing here? When I'll say, okay, well then what happens if this comes up? Or what happens if this comes up? Um, I'll have clients who will say, oh, no, 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 we can figure out. Holidays are fine. We're not worried about it. We don't have to put that in our parenting plan. And then I say, okay, well, what happens if both your families are having Thanksgiving dinner on Sunday? Or what happens if you get a new partner? And the new partner has Christmas traditions that are really important and they want the kids there for them. And then they kind of, oh, okay, well, maybe, maybe we should actually discuss this. And so it's our job to help you reach whatever agreement that is. Um, you know, sometimes often with couples who don't have children and their children are grown, you will see one spouse say, I don't want spousal support. Now, I'm never going to say to someone, you have to take it, but I will say to them, well, let's look at your financials and make sure you have a plan in place. So you're not putting yourself in a bad position. Because we, we don't want to be emotionally attached to that person sometimes anymore. We're like, I want a clean break. I want to just be done, which is understandable. But we always want to make sure that you're being your future self, best friend. That's really important. So we ask those questions. So that's one of the things that mediation does to help. Uh, frequently asked questions. You do not get a separation agreement at the end of mediation. That's one of the first ones I ask. They always say, is this legally binding? you get a mediated agreement. So that is, sets precedent, but is not a legal document. So we always recommend our clients either get it done into court orders, which you can get a pair, we have a paralegal we work with who writes it all up, sends it to the judge, he stamps it, it's now legal and totally binding. Or we also have a law firm we work with that some people prefer to go separation agreement. And we, refer them to that law firm. They'll take our mediated agreement, 
put it in a separation agreement, a separation agreement is a legal document. So that is always something if you're looking for a mediator to be very careful to clarify, a mediated agreement and a separation agreement are very different. And so I always say, make sure you check that out. Um, as far as, that's probably the most frequently asked question I think with mediation. Uh, and for my firm, people will ask, of course, the big one is how much does it cost? And it varies depending on the company, just like it can vary with a lawyer. Um, for us, we do an all-inclusive quote so that people can budget for it. We like to do that so that they can make sure they're not going to end up with a surprise $35,000 bill at the end, which my lovely sister-in-law had. So that wasn't very fun for her. Um, and, and so, yes, that does vary. So always ask good questions around that for sure. I always also say not all mediators are the same. Shop around. Interview them. Interview your mediator. Interview your lawyer. Interview your therapist. Interview anyone who's providing you with a service because you want to make sure they're a good fit for you. And we're going to do the same. Not everything is mediatable. That's the reality. Not everything is mediatable. So it's good to ask questions. And we always do a no charge consult for our clients because we need to be able to tell them, yes, it is mediatable. No, it isn't. Here, let's connect you with resources that can help you because this isn't a good fit for you. Most things are, but there are the odd ones that are not. And as such, we can connect people with resources that are. Okay. So I would say those are probably my most frequently asked questions. Um, if you guys have any other questions about mediation, I'm actually going to um, just toss open this being the time to do it because we're next moving into those tips. And I want to do some practicing with the tips. So be please prepared to participate because these are skills that it'll take practice to develop. So does, are there any other questions about mediation? No? Awesome. Then let's move on to tips. So tips for dealing with conflict now, because everybody's going to deal with them now. My first tip, I'm going to read them and then we're going to go through them individually, is don't engage when you're upset. I'm sure you guys can figure out why without me going into it, but we will discuss it. Uh, the second one is separate the problem from the person. Our third one is use nonviolent language. And we'll talk lots about that because a lot of people are like, well, what the heck is nonviolent language? And I had that first reaction when I heard the phrase too. So I was like, like threatening to hit somebody? Like, yeah, I can see that's violent. It, it goes beyond that. Um, our fourth one is listen with intent. And my fifth one would be don't sweat the small stuff. So don't engage while you're upset. Well, I'm going to actually ask you, ladies, why do you think we shouldn't engage while we're upset? Because you're emotionally out of balance. <clears throat> emotions can really affect the situation for sure. Oh, for sure. Definitely. You probably say things that you don't mean them to sound the way that they come out when you mm -hmm. are very upset and you tend to be more hurtful absolutely and harsh if somebody hurts me i want to hurt them back especially if i'm emotional for sure any others 
Okay. So here's a fun fact I learned when I was in university. When we're emotional, when we're upset, that little line in our brain that connects the two hemispheres of your brain actually moves. And your ability to be rational shrinks because emotion is taking over your brain. And as a result, you can't adequately say, okay, do I want to say this? Is it going to help or is it going to hinder? You don't have that rational thought. It's, um, I kind of sat there and was like, say what? <laughs> when I heard it. And then I sat and thought about conflicts I've had where I was like, yeah, I shouldn't have said that. If I'd been thinking clearly, that would not have come out of my mouth. Um, our ability to listen is impaired. When we get upset and get emotional, our body has a really natural stress response. And one of the things it does is it actually starts to block your ability to hear. Because when our bodies do not distinguish between a physical attack and an emotional attack, we have those same physiological responses. It's why you hear things like seeing red or your, your vision actually narrows and goes tunnel. Because normally, if you were being attacked, if a bear was coming at you, you need to focus on that bear. But if someone's emotionally attacking you or you feel emotionally attacked, whether they mean to or not, you're going to have those same responses. You feel get flushed, get hot, you know, and so this, this isn't going to help you. It's not going to help us think parts of our body shut down so that we can react because we're being threatened. That's not going to help us make smart decisions or have important conversations. So how do you get out of that? best ways to just say I'm not going to engage sorry too emotional right now I don't feel like we can we can get a resolution in my current state of mind I need to go calm down the key to this working is you always have to circle back you have to say I will come back in a half an hour I will talk let's talk about it tomorrow at this time because if you don't, you're actually going to break trust. They think you're running away and you're never going to deal with it. So you always have to make sure that you do say, okay, let's circle back. I'm calm now. Let's talk about it. However, you want to handle it, but make sure you circle back. That's going to build trust. And the reality is to have an honest conversation with anyone, you need to be able to build that trust, even if you don't like them. <laughs> sometimes in that moment you really don't like that person and sometimes you're never gonna like them you know there's some situations let's be honest you're not divorcing someone because you're best friends maybe you were once but now you're not or if you're dealing with a boss at work hey I've had some horrible bosses and trying to deal with your boss when you're emotional is is just really difficult for your children i have very young children they are eight five and 21 months and mom puts herself in timeout some days <laughs> because mom needs to calm down or i'm gonna lose it <laughs> and that's okay we all have those triggers it's recognize it take the time out to deal with it and then come back and actually deal with it because those things don't just go away right so tip number two, separate the person from the problem. And yes, I did put on there. But Andrew, you don't understand. They are the problem. 
the the issue around saying that person is the problem is it puts you across the table from each other in direct conflict you're now on either side fighting at it when we do mediations we actually like in person ones i actually have my clients sit on the opposite side of the table from me beside each other and you might think that's kind of crazy but it puts them on the same side so that i can bring the problem up and they can then try to they can look at me and go okay the problem's over there how can we approach it it, it can in a very physical way creates a team which can help with the mindset. If you identify the problem as the problem and not the person as the problem, then you can look at that person as your collaborator in how to solve the problem. So you can say, think of a situation, non-divorce, because those are fun too. Okay, so I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you one I have. I have issues with my in-laws. Lindsay's laughing because she's heard about them. <laughs> I have some issues with my in-laws and their treatment of my children. Now I can say to my husband, I don't appreciate how your parents treat my children and you need to do something about it now. These are his parents. He loves his parents. He has a good relationship with his parents generally. And that puts him and me on opposite sides of the table. Or I can say to him, I have concerns about or how this is affecting our children. What can we do about it? And then that puts us on a team. We're working together. We're going to find solutions together. And then you're not throwing blame at each other. You're looking at the problem as something else. So it just helps also create a little bit of an emotional distance so you're not taking it personally. Because when that person's the problem, we can come up with all kinds of names for them. And all kinds of nasty things to say. But if we take the problem as the problem, it becomes this thing we can look at, twist, manipulate, and play with. Which you can't do with a person. Or you shouldn't manipulate a person. In a negative way. Okay? Alright, so the next tip. Use nonviolent language. So violent language is actually language that attacks our perception of ourselves. We all think of ourselves as reasonable, well-meaning person. We have this idea of who we are. And when that concept of who we are is attacked, we react quite defensively and, and verbally violently because your very sense of who you are is being attacked. So nonviolent language actually calls on your willingness to improve who you are and become a better person. So we try to, um, a, a good example would be, for example, you always get angry, lose your temper and scream at the kids. Now that person is like, you're saying I'm an angry person who can't talk nicely to my children. A nonviolent way to be, would be, I'm really concerned about how we talk to the children when we're upset with them. How do you think we could do a better job of keeping control of how we feel or something like that, right? So we use statements that are going to show compassion and create that desire to collaborate. How do we work together to resolve this issue? 
don't throw blame around um because it just throws up walls the first thing somebody does when i say it's your fault is say it's not my fault it's your fault and here's the 20 reasons why it's your fault it's a very natural human reaction because we're feeling attacked and so we don't want to be attacked nobody does um so we yeah, want to use that and using statements that are going to help the other person understand what you need. Uh, one of the really simple we use in some of our literature is instead of saying, hey, Joe, pass the salt. You say, hey, Joe, I would really like some salt. Can you pass it to me? Because it lets them know what you need. And then you make a request. You're not demanding something. Um, it's not a guarantee your need is going to be met. Uh, none of these are a guarantee your need is going to be met. They simply increase the likelihood of the other person being more open to understanding what you need and more willing to work with you to achieve it or to solve the problem. We can't force people to do anything, but we want to create the environment most conducive to their having a good outcome. Because conflict can build better relationships. It can make things stronger because you've worked through things together. And so we want to create that environment as much as possible. Okay, so then um, my last, well, it's not my last, there's one last. Uh, listen with intent. So, you know, Nikki said it, everybody wants to be heard. You want to feel heard and understood. That is a basic human need that we all have. You know, a good way, and in an argument, you're like, you're not listening to what I'm saying. And the irony is relationships are strongest when we're listening to what the other person is saying. If you go to say, uh, if you were a business owner and you go to say a networking event and you're chatting or even making a new friend, chat with the other person, say very little and ask them lots of questions about themselves. They're going to walk away saying, that is the most interesting person I met all night. And all they did was talk about themselves or their business or their lives. And it's because they feel heard. And we're like, that person was interested in me. Therefore, they must be interested. So when we're inquisitive about other people, we're going to gain a much better understanding of what their needs are. And human beings tend to be a bit competitive. So we're like, well, they were nice to me. I need to be nice to them and I need to kind of up it a little. <laughs> so we kind of have this natural competitive nature of if they're nice to me, I really need to be nice back because they were really good to me. And so doing things like that, and I'm not saying be a doormat. I know this is not all situations. Um, you do obviously for your individual situations have to look things carefully, but, but you will find that, when you are listening to what those other person's needs are and really trying to understand what they need and recognizing that you want to meet their need, they're going to be more likely to listen to your needs and want to also help meet your needs. The hardest thing when you're trying to come up with an, a solution together is interrupting. <laughs> you're like, I have this fabulous idea for how we can meet this need. You should listen to me. But by interrupting, we actually make that person feel not heard. You didn't listen to what I said. You didn't let me finish the thoughts. You don't care. And now that person's gone from feeling understood to feeling like you don't have an interest and you don't care. 
or that you think your needs are more important than theirs, which is going to kill communication. One of the tips on this exploration phase, rephrase and reframe. As I mentioned earlier, how mediators love to define things. It's, it's because everyone hears things differently. And I can say one sentence and it have seven different meanings, depending on which word you actually put emphasis on. And the sentence, I there, there's a sentence. So if you think about it, so I didn't say you stole my money. I didn't say you stole that money. I didn't say you stole my money. They all have a different meaning depending on where you put the emphasis. And if I put an emphasis on each of those words, it completely changes the meaning. So rephrase back. Every time we get into a disagreement, you interrupt me and you don't listen to what I'm saying and you just talk over top of me and I just get really frustrated with you. Okay, so what I'm hearing is that you don't feel heard when I interrupt you and you would like me to allow you to finish what you're saying so that I can understand what you mean. And I've seen people go from like angry, upset, in tears, like just ready to lose it to like, yes, yes, I feel heard. Almost a flick of the switch because you rephrased back and they were like, yes, that's exactly what I meant. And you can always say when you rephrase or reframe, is that correct? Do I understand correctly? And if you don't, they will correct you. And if you do, you'll get that. Yes. Yes, you heard me. Yes, that's exactly it. If there is nothing else you take away from this today, that is like the most important tip I can give you is that reframing and rephrasing. It will completely change your conversations to be able to do that back. And people will be like, you have to talk to Joan or Nikki or Nat. She really listens. She will get what you're saying. They really, really will. That is like my number one highlight exclamation points. If you take pick up no other skill, that one will absolutely change the way you communicate with people in a huge, huge way. The last one, this is something I tell all of my clients, don't sweat the small stuff. Pick your battles, pick your battles. And uh, bowling balls is something that actually just happened to me a week and a half ago. Uh, so I went out with my in-laws and uh, we were bowling and my five-year-old decided that our lane needed more bowling balls because we had six. And the two lanes next to us had a combined total of 12. And nobody was in those lanes. And um, so she just walked over the lanes and picked up a couple balls and was going to move them. And her grandma and grandpa can be a little particular, you know, if this is how it's supposed to be, this is how it should be. And both of them went, kind of yelled at her and said, Rochelle, don't do that. And kind of stood up and yelled at her. And she just broke down just sobbing because she just got yelled at she's five and, and I was like who, who cares what's the big deal now you've hurt her feelings 
it took me a good 20 minutes to be able to even coach her back into the game to calm her down to make her feel comfortable to play again and she like didn't even want to talk to her grandparents for the rest of the evening it took her a little while so pick your battles because those little things can make such a difference. And when dealing with an adult, if someone's constantly picking at you, you start just tune them out. You start, you start hearing that Charlie Brown teacher voice. If anyone watched Charlie Brown the cartoon, because you feel like you're always being picked at. And I'm sure you've probably felt that way. Because I mean, when you get into arguments with people, it feels that way. So if you pick your battles, then what you say is going to have uh, more impact. You know, if if you don't fight, <laughs> this would kill me, I'm not going to lie. But if dad puts in the kids' lunches every day, gummy bears and fruit snacks and whatever, when he has them for a week, and you make that a huge fight... Then when something important comes up, he's like, well, you fight me on everything. So I'm going to fight you on this. Right. So we want to choose so that we're really only fighting about the things that really matter. Otherwise, they start to all blend together like that voice. And it's hard to distinguish about what's important and what's not important. You know, with the bowling balls, was it really that important that she moved bowling balls? No, nobody was using the lane. Nobody cared. There was no one who was going to be like... You took my bowling ball. So you don't want to create problems where there doesn't need to be problems. Okay, so those are the, my tips. So now we're going to practice. Um, and, and I think the, the skill we want to practice is that reframing. So I need one volunteer first, because I'm going to show you, I'm going to put myself on the spot. You shouldn't ask people to do what you're not willing to do. And so I need one volunteer to tell me something. And then I'm going to reframe it back to you. Just one. I can jump in. <laughs> all right, Dana. They're all nervous now because they know yeah. it's being <laughs> We all, all right. hate practice time. <laughs> I'm just going to say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dina. So how was your day today? I am so frustrated. Everybody, I came in contact with today was so negative and nitpicky and I'm just don't even tell me what you need done and uh what you want for supper and that that I dropped the ball somewhere at home because I've already heard way too much negative I never so hear this by the way but <laughs> <laughs> trying to Fair be enough. So Dina, it sounds like with. you feel like a lot of people have asked things of you today and then told you you didn't measure up. And so you're feeling quite overwhelmed by what's happened today and you just kind of need some space and maybe a break. Well, no. Okay. Um, I've just been around a lot of negativity and I find it very draining and exhausting. And then when I come home and think that there are expectations for what I'm to do and, and provide. It's just further exhausting where that usually gives me joy to look after my family. And I just don't want you to ask me to do anything. Okay. So then what, I, what you, I'm understanding is that 
in your interactions throughout the day, you've just dealt with a lot of well, negative emotion and negativity. And that really pulls at you a lot. And it's quite uh, draining. And so when you get home, having further expectations and demands and negativity, if it's there, further drains you. And it's really hard to deal with that. Yes, exactly. And I appreciate you seeing and understanding where I'm coming from, because I just felt like I was going to now come home and have all these things expected of me. And it would mean a lot if you would um, give me a hand. And, and as we prepare dinner, we, I want to hear about your day and, uh, you know, what was it like for you today? Absolutely. So I can best support you then by giving you a hand with dinner. Is there any other way I can support you while we, you know, chat about my day? I could really use a hug about now. <laughs> you. <laughs> right. So that's something that I was not trained in mediation, the support question, but something I learned when dealing with people going through a lot was how can I best support you? Often we say, what can I do for you? And we were like, oh. But how can I best support you? Um, that's just totally other thing, but random thought on the side. But um, yeah, I'm glad I didn't get it right the first time because it showed how you said, well, no, that's not quite right. This is how I feel. And then you show you're still listening. You care. Oh, okay. So this is how it is. All right. I think and then you identified in me. Sorry, mm -hmm. I think it was a beautiful example too, because we do make assumptions. And that is something that Lindsay mentioned early on is, those assumptions Absolutely. for what we think we're hearing or seeing or the person's Absolutely. communicating and they're coming from a place that's maybe a little bit escalated with in with their emotions and so they're having trouble communicating so it gives you it gives them some reflective uh, responses that then they can figure out really I find it helps me figure out better my partner's very good at this to help me figure out what I'm trying to say and what I'm experiencing. And it's actually a revelation. It gives me a chance to explore that and figure it out. And I love your phrasing of how can I support you? Because for many of us, if it's, well, what can I do for you? It's like, nope, self-sufficient. I, <laughs> I am that how... person. Yeah. Mm -mm, I'm good. Yeah, absolutely. You're totally right. You're absolutely right, Dina. And that's why I learned to change it. Cause I am that person who's like, I'm good good my parents raised me to be self-sufficient I'm fine I don't need anything not weak I think that's nope. the other perception we have mm -hmm. of ourselves not at all yeah 100% absolutely does anybody else want to give it a go even the rephrasing you can ask me a question and I'll tell you and you rephrase it back I encourage you. It's okay if you don't want to do it. That's fine. I encourage you to find somebody you feel safe with because I understand when it's being recorded, that can make us a little nervous. So find somebody you feel safe with to practice because it is a skill you really have to practice for it to become second nature. And it's, it's honestly is because nobody goes, well, what I hear is, is that correct? That's not in our normal natural phrasing. Sorry, go Andrea, ahead. Andrea, I want to mention here that what came up for me when you were explaining about rephrasing and reframing was that when you're in a conversation with that mindset that you are really trying to hear the person mm -hmm. in order to be able to do that, it, it creates, That's you're coming from a place more 
you're more calm. You're considering how you're going to reflect that back. So you're listening more actively mm -hmm. and Absolutely. you're trying to maintain some calm so that you can communicate that back in a calm way. And it may, I think that's part of the de-escalation. A hundred percent. I cannot rephrase back if I'm sitting in an angry place because I'm not in a frame of mind to understand. Or if I'm stuck in a sad place or, you know, like if I'm really, really involved in my emotions of that moment, you're not going to be able to do it because you're, you're just too involved in your emotion. hundred percent. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I am going to just head to the last bit. Uh, this is just my contact information. If you want to reach out, whether you're looking for resources and just want to ask, hey, do you know anyone who can help me with this? Or you want to reach out to us for a free consult or just ask questions. We have, uh, we do seminars every so often. We have a wonderful one called Listening to Be Heard. We have one for managing conflict in partnerships. Um, just to help you guys understand each other better. Um, we're not just about separation and divorce. <laughs> so if you're trying to, how do I help talk to my kid about things? Um, we're happy to try to help as much as we can. Um, but I, I do do a lot of separation and divorce. Yes, Joan. Andrea, <clears throat> what do you, what, maybe if you give me a hint here on a situation Absolutely. that I'm dealing with two sisters. And uh, one sister is very much um, will go easily into the victim place. But the other one is just you can't get her to stop speaking. She just goes from one thing to the other. It's like she takes over like it's it's like a bully kind of thing and, and won't, won't allow the other sister to speak and step in. So how do you kind of slow that other person down? So as a mediator, um, when I ask a question. I will listen to her answer. And sometimes I will interrupt, say, sorry to interrupt. I just need to clarify to get more information. And then once they answer, I will actually stop them. Okay. I will say, yeah. okay, so do I understand this correctly? Yes. Okay. And I move on to the next person. So as a mediator, I can, I can do that. Mm -hmm. um, the dynamics of a relationship can be really tough, especially with siblings. And, um, well, let's be honest, all relationships are complicated. It's, it's hard to give you a pat answer without knowing them a little easier, but there may be some coaching that can be done with the one sister who goes into that victim space to find out what does that do for her? Right. What need does that meet when she goes into that victim place? Is she getting sympathy? Is she getting compassion? You know, is there another way to meet that need? Mm -hmm. without her having to go into that victim place and with the sister who talks a lot is it just some people just they just talk they like to talk they like the sound of their own voice it seems like so what need is that meeting too and then trying to see where you can balance it it's really about digging down to what the needs are because for both of them it's fulfilling some need yeah definitely whether uh, the one sister thinks that just continually talking means she'll be heard that might be easy if that's the need if she really wants to be heard that reframing and rephrasing can really really help that because then mm -hmm. she doesn't have to keep talking you've already you've already gotten what she needs you know you've heard her mm -hmm. and that might help tone that down um but i mean going into that victim place can be 
there's so many different things that can yet need can actually meet. So um, it's, it is really going to find out what that is, is that she wants compassion. Well, you can give her compassion without that, right? Like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, I understand this is going on. Why don't we go for a walk together? Mm-hmm. Let's go for a walk and get out and enjoy each other's company. Or is it that that's a habit? Sometimes things become habits that we dip into as well. So it's it's going to be digging down really, I would say, to find out what the need is that yeah. those actions are meeting yeah. and maybe saying, well, what else can we do to meet that need? Mm-hmm. Different yeah. strategies. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah the woman helps. talks a lot. She's she's much like a martyr in trying to present <laughs> what I do. And, and it just goes from one thing to the next and nobody appreciates me. And she goes into the poor me as well. So it's quite an interesting dynamic that goes on. <laughs> sounds like a need for validation yes need to be heard and acknowledged Mm -hmm. um, which that rephrasing and reframing will likely help a lot because she's getting that back often when people start going just go on and on and on and on Mm -hmm. um we we tune them out it's a natural thing we just start to tune them out because we're like oh goodness not again (laughs) and And if you just say, okay, so what I understand is you're dealing a lot with this and you're going on a lot with that. And, you know, is that correct? And they're like, hey, yes, you're hearing me. And so then you'll be able to talk, you know, you'll be able to have a better conversation that goes back. Mm -hmm. It'll take time. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) It'll take time for sure. Yeah. Thank you. You're Mm -hmm. welcome. Thank you for Any your other question, question, Joan. That was that was a good one. one. I think it's uh, really good, especially those ingrained patterns, either along like long term relationships, whether they're friendships, siblings, absolutely marriages, work. Absolutely, and those those relationships in some ways become those patterns become part of who we are, and so oh, we yeah. have to learn to break out of them because that's just the role you've already pl- always played. Well, and I want to mention how mediation helped me personally, not during my divorce, but after with my daughter, who was an adult and married and expecting her first child. And granted, their maternal hormones were rampant at the time, but I was also finally rediscovering who I was and, you know, come from a very strict religious upbringing and then into over 30 years in an abusive situation. And those role reversals were starting to get, uh, it was starting to be a flip and I was feeling like whoa uh, you don't need to mother me I I might try some risky things she requested mediation because we had a very close relationship over the years and I just applaud her maturity and recognizing that and realizing that that was an option for us Mm -hmm. so that made a huge difference for both of us and I think for me witnessing the mediator seeing me reframing rephrasing and translating that in front of me to her was very validating and was was a turning point for our relationship and for me as well in that in that situation so I you know I do encourage people to consider mediation for many different many different reasons well one of the great things about mediation is I don't have the history that my clients have with each other so if spouse one rolls their eyes or partner one rolls their eyes at me, okay, <laughs> it's not going to trigger me. But when the other partner sees that roll of the eyes, 
they remember when they rolled their eyes this time and it meant this and this is how it and there's all that history or the noises we make <laughs> to me i'll be like oh well you have something you would like to add well to the other partner it's like they don't believe me they're calling me a liar they're always telling me i exaggerate things and there's all that history so i can help kind of mediators can help kind of peel that away a little bit and pull out different things exactly what dina said kind of translate it where it's like well it might not mean that let's see let's understand and and so that's that's a great thing about a mediators because they don't have that history <laughs> they don't get pulled into those emotional triggers and they can help moderate the emotions in the room Any other, pardon me, any other questions anyone would, or comments, clarifications that people would like to bring forth or share? Please raise your hand. In the meantime, we are at the one hour, but we can go yeah. beyond that if anybody has questions. I just want to honor everyone's time if you do need to go. Um, a few points I want to ask about or uh, bring up with you, Andrea, about... <laughs> the upset, the portion when you're upset. What happens if you're trying to approach a conversation from a calm place and the other person's very upset and you realize that they probably need some half hour space and they need to come back at a later time? How do you approach that with them without without making it worse by saying, okay, you're just too mad now, so you go calm down? As much as it might gall you, I would claim it myself. You know what, things seem to really be escalating why don't we take a break so that we can come back at this in a more calm manner? Don't, don't do the you. Once people hear you did this, they feel attacked or blamed. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm, I remember hearing that in high school. Don't use you, use I statements. Um, and, and so just use that. You know what? I'm feeling like it's escalating a lot right now and like, we're not going to come to a solution. So why don't we just take a break so that we can let things calm down a bit? That's great. Okay. I love that. That's a really helpful tool. Um, something that I thought of too, about seating people in strategic spots. So that physical it, I love what Dr. Jody Carrington says, where it's hard to hate people up close. So I'm even thinking with, with kids, if they're fighting and if it's appropriate, if they need to calm down, let's calm down, but to have them, it's so, okay, split up, you guys get some space, but seat them across from you side by side. They don't have to be within pinching and elbowing distance, but, yeah. and then say, okay, what's the problem? You know, you tell me, you tell me, here's mm -hmm. the problem. And how, how can we work together to sort this out? So I think at, at any, it's very applicable to many situations. Definitely. Absolutely. Nikki, thank you for being here. Um, just got your message here that you have to run. Thank you so much. And uh, another comment that I had was we, we consider the language and how it affects me in, and you know, what I'm hearing and how it's being said and to, to stop yeah. and think, you know, the way that person's saying it maybe isn't what they mean. Like, how am I hearing it? What, it, and it's, mm -hmm. it's that history and it might not be the history, even with that person. How am I conditioned to hear that? Lindsay, thank you for being here. Got your message that you have to go. Uh, how am I hearing it? 
and why what have i been conditioned to to react how do i been conditioned to react to that certain phrasing i know i've got trigger phrases from abuse that you know it's like well just so you know oh for you know most people that wouldn't trigger them triggers me Mm -hmm. oh i i actually have the same thing being yelled at triggers me for me being yelled at is is a huge trigger and and we have to learn to recognize these triggers for us and one of the those tricks uh, a great thing to do we actually have a podcast um and our first season is our managing conflict in relationships course and there's lots of little great tidbits in there but one of those things is first when we think about a conflict recognizing what were our needs how did those words affect me because it's not till we can recognize those things inside of us and acknowledge them and put a name to them that we can then turn it that mirror and say oh what judgments did i make how could that have affected that other person because if we don't understand how it affects us then how do we understand how it affects somebody else i like that point that's that's very helpful uh that it's 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 two sides absolutely we, we contribute to this yeah, so that was that was the points. I'm happy you mentioned the podcast because I was going to give you a shout out to the episodes that are on the podcast that do walk you through yeah. it more in depth on conflict resolution and some great tools there. And and the sure. link will be in the show notes for how to find Andrea, how to contact her, and also this the link to that podcast that I'm talking about. Hopefully you heard something today that helps you wherever you might be in life. Do you have questions or suggestions for a topic you want to know more about? Let me know. Check the show notes for all the contact information. Follow this podcast and find us on social. Know anyone who might find this information helpful? Be a friend and share it. And hey, thank you for hanging out with me today. Keep smiling that beautiful smile. The world needs your sunshine. It means a lot that you spend this time with us and meet our experts and professionals who can help you through divorce or separation. Please refer to our terms of service available on our website, divorcemagazinecanada.com slash terms of service. The link is in the show notes. And the legal language, our disclaimer, Divorce Magazine Canada website, events, resource groups, blog, and all content, including our podcast, is intended to educate and provide quality, credible resource information. The contents should not be used as factual until consultation with the appropriate professionals for any guidance. Divorce Magazine Canada does not constitute endorsements for, nor liability, for any claims made in the presenting of this information.